and welcome to a new episode of the Glass Ceiling Podcast from Startup Daily. My name is Gina Baldessari and my guest on this episode is Cherie Diaz, who was earlier this year appointed Managing Director of Open Learning in Australia. Shree has had an interesting career trajectory. After starting out as a classroom teacher, she made the move to the corporate world with Ernst & Young, took on a bunch of other roles, and then earlier this year, took on the open learning gig. Now, it's an interesting one. Open Learning raised an $8.5 million Series A round led by two Malaysian companies earlier this year to help fund its further expansion across Australia and into Southeast Asia. The startup now has more than 1.3 million students on board learning through the massive open online courses or MOOCs created by its university and vocational education partners. Along with Australian clients, including UNSW, the University of Melbourne and the federal government, the startup also has Malaysia's 20 public universities and 34 public polytechnics on board. I sat down for a chat with Cherie about her career path, the evolution of open learning's approach to education and the growth of the company moving forward. Have a listen. Start at the beginning. My usual thing is to do a little bit of a, um, let's say, a LinkedIn stalk of who I'm speaking to before I speak to them, and and see you know what they've been doing and the journey to where they got to be where they are now. So, um, one of your first roles was as a teacher. What got you, um, you know, wanting to become a teacher? It's it's an interesting path. Uh, I initially, when I was in school, was thinking about doing architecture. And then was lucky enough to have a couple of teachers in my final years of school that were just the epitome of um, what teaching should be and really brought that passion to life for me. And that got me interested in teaching and in particular uh, teaching subjects such as modern history. Um, So that's what I did for the first couple of years of my career. And then I know you went to um, work for Ernst Young and um, you worked a bit in government as well. Um, what got you progressing like out of the classroom and, and onto other things? Uh, a, a couple of factors really. So one of them is that about four and a half years into my teaching career, and it's quite funny that statistics show that at least 20 to 40% of teachers leave the teaching mm-hmm. career within their first five years. And I always thought that I, that's not me. That definitely won't be one of, I won't be one of them. Yeah. Um, but I got to about the four year mark and I just needed that next level of what else, what else can challenge me and the ability to have impact at a broader scale, I think were the key things. And I was really fortunate that as part of my teaching career, I was also trained to teach vocational qualifications in schools. So that gave me the transferable skills and qualifications to move into the corporate sector, yeah, um, which was fun. Yeah. And so, you know, looking at your, your four years or so in the classroom, um, my sister is actually a high school teacher and I just, like, can't imagine having to be in a classroom teaching, you know, a room full of teenagers every day. But what are the kinds of, I guess, the, you know, the lessons you learned or even the, the key sorts of um that that experience built in you? Yeah, uh, I think, to be honest, teaching set me up for a wide range of roles and a lot of the success that I've had. Because if you think about teaching, one, it's incredibly hard work. Um, it requires a lot of multitasking, being able to think on your feet, 
but also the end-to-end mapping process. So understanding right from the outset how every step you make is tied to the learning outcomes and the learning experience, but also being able to track each individual student's needs at the same point, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of uh, teamwork, being able to think strategically as well. And I think that's where a lot of my ability to understand customer satisfaction from as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point because at the end of the day, you know, students are, as you say, a, a sort of customer, like even, you know, in the sense of, you know, open learning, it, it, it's more a, you can understand more traditionally how they're a customer, but even in the classroom at a school, they are as well. Definitely, and you, you have two levels of customers. You've got both the individual student and their needs, and you've also got their parents who are, are definitely key stakeholders. And so what were the kinds of roles that you took on after um, leaving the, the classroom? Uh, there, was, there was a few, and I, I guess I should disclose as well that part of my pathway has been as a defence wife, which explains some of my journey around the countryside. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but roles including you know, your normal corporate training, uh, learning and development, I had a lot of fun at Corporate Express, which became staples in helping set up their learning and development framework across Australia and New Zealand, which is where I got to bring those skill sets from both the training, the curriculum development and design, and building the HR framework as well, um, right through to rolling out um the national curriculum for the or helping to implement that with the Queensland Department of Education as well. And so then what led you to open learning and what attracted you to, you know, a, a role with this business? There's a couple of things really that drove what made my decision really easy, I guess I should say, is mm-hmm. If you look at the brands that fall within open learning, in particular the Australian market, there's open learning, there's teach.com.au and learn.com.au. And looking back over my career and my passion areas, they actually align with all three. So it's, it's great to be in a role and with a company where I can leverage that experience and background, but also feedback into those markets to be able to support them from an education perspective as well. And then there's a, the fact that I really align with the pedagogy of the open learning platform being based on social constructivism. So the teacher isn't the single source of truth, that peer-to-peer interaction is just as valuable in the learning experience, but also that the design of the learning experience should be well thought out and mm-hmm. not just, you know, here's a PDF document and here's where you submit your assessments. Um, yeah. But then there's also the, the culture um, for open learning is amazing. The fact that they are so customer-centric, that the the team works so well together, but it is its own little ecosystem. So it's a constant iteration of what's the feedback from the market, our clients um, and industry needs, and how do we help develop that as we go, and how does that feedback into our platform development process. Yeah. And so looking at that process, um, you know, what does that look like? And, um, you know, I know open learning has been around for um, quite a number of years now, but, you know, looking from uh, when you started, what does it look like from getting feedback from customers to analysing it and, you know, making something of it, putting a new feature in or whatever the case may be? How do you 
What does that process look like? The process itself is always evolving in that I have a weekly meeting with our product team that is an opportunity for me to feedback not only what am I getting from new customers and clients and partners that I'm meeting with, but also what's that feedback point from our learning services team from existing customers as well. So we're continuing to service both the new and the existing customer base. And then that is backed up with further research and design work by our product and engineering team to be able to ensure that what gets rolled out is an iterative process being able to meet our customers' needs. And when you think about customers, it's, it's quite a unique mix from individual educators right through to the learners and um, large-scale accredited universities as well. And looking at, you know, the design of that learning experience, um, you know, I find it interesting, like you said, you were, you know, inspired to get into teaching because you had teachers that showed you, you know, what teaching should be, um, you know, when you were in the classroom. How does that translate now to, you know, open learning and designing something that's online? Like, I guess, how do you bring that teaching and learning experience online? What does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. So if we look back to Open Learning Foundation and and having started just on six years ago now, the idea and the reason for the development of the platform was definitely, there was a definite need and gap in the market. But what has evolved in the business over the time is the fact that as Adam and David and the, the rest of the team were starting to interact with more uh, education providers, particularly in the higher education space, is the awareness that not all of them actually have a robust learning design team. And quite often, and I know this myself from my own teaching background and work in the vocational and higher education space, is quite often we expect teachers to not only be able to teach and engage and think on their feet in a classroom environment, but also have the skills and capability to be learning designers and they're very unique skill sets um, and rare to find in one person. So as the business has evolved, we've actually got our own learning services team that are able to work hand-in-hand with the SMEs to rethink what that learning design looks like to actually create customised learning experiences for an online platform keeping in mind that our platform is used in all deliveries from face-to-face, blended, and purely online. But what it means is rethinking that design process. What is the experience from the outset? And what are the learning outcomes that you're tracking throughout each point of interaction? So it's not just when someone submits an assessment or a task, it's actually each activity is not back to that learning outcome. So it makes you more aware of the interactions that you're structuring and the, the level of thought that goes into creating an engaging learning environment. How has that sort of process evolved over the years in terms of how hands-on you are with um, your clients in designing these experiences? And how has their understanding of you know, online learning as well developed over time? Uh, it's a... It's an iterative process, I think, in that because we work hand-in-hand with our 
each each of our partners or our clients to create a solution that meets their needs. So some of our partners are well resourced and understand the importance of the learning design process as well as the, the content. Uh, and in those cases, it's about partnering with them to understand and maximise the features of the platform. And then off they go and, and they tap in for to support or resourcing as needed. And then we've got others who we really provide that end-to-end process right through from payment gateway, learning design, um, marketing capability, and that iterative process of this is what we're noticing in your learning cohorts and this is where we think there's an opportunity for you as well. What do you think are some of the biggest lessons that open learning as a business has learned from its partners and clients over the last little while? One of the key learnings, not just from our partners, but also industry tracking industry needs as well, is the need to be able to transfer show transferable skills and soft skills. So it's very common or um, common practice in the marketplace now that you know learning outcomes are, are well documented within courses, but how you're actually showing the ability that you can communicate, that you can teamwork, um, that you've got emotional intelligence in your interactions, they're really important. And it's one of the factors that has really been a focus point in the development of a new feature that we've uh, we've just rolled out, which is our portfolios. And the key difference with our portfolio capability is we don't require students or learners to pull pieces of work into the portfolio. So as an open learning student, it naturally populates your portfolio and then you create it, curate it based on who you want to show that to. So whether it's a, an existing employee that you're showing, these are actually the skill sets that I've developed through um, my learning or it's in order to be able to get a job or applying for a job um, as well. So you can you know, share that link and also shape the, the level of evidence that you want to be able to show as well. Open Learning a couple of months ago raised um, some funding to further expand across Southeast Asia. You've got quite a um, you know significant base in Asia and um, I think a lot in, in Malaysia, if that's right. So what does the, I guess, the uh, the scope of open learning sort of global operations look like at the moment and what's the, um, I guess, the working relationship that you, for example, have as Managing Director of, of Australia here with, um, you know, your counterparts overseas and what are you learning from each other? We, we are quite um, quite a global team. We have about 50-50 split between our Malaysian office and our Sydney office, uh, with, with also a, a spattering across the globe as well as part of our support team. So we've got a, a team member in the US, one in Slovenia, uh, and one in the Philippines as well. Um, and, and we've just expanded into Singapore, so that's part of our, our global strategy. And next year, uh, Indonesia will be next on the list. And then within Australia, we've got the Australia-specific brands that I mentioned earlier, which is teach.com.au and learn.com.au. So there's there's quite a diverse focus there. My interaction with the Malaysia team is actually almost daily, and that's part of 
our strategy with our global leadership team that some of those team members are based in Malaysia and we leverage the skill set and capability across the, the two locations quite heavily. I also think that one of the things that works really well is more and more education providers are looking beyond a specific geographic border. So quite often when either myself or the, the partnership team in Malaysia are dealing with clients, it's having that awareness of what's happening in each market as well as what their client needs uh, that helps to be able to answer questions about what is our capability in expanding into Southeast Asia? How do we do that? What are the, the subject areas that are in demand or of need as well? And what have you enjoyed the most about, um, you know, coming to be working in the tech space over the last little while? I've, I've really enjoyed, one, the, the fun or, I guess, creative opportunity with open learning that the, the atmosphere and the approach here is, okay, I think this is, this is where we need to head and here's the market opportunity or the approach that we want to take. And there really is that genuine support to, to go with it, to be able to use that experience and industry research to then meet a need in the market um, or fill a gap, which is, is quite unique. Mm-hmm. And then there's the opportunity, I think, or the fun about having being in a in an education technology business where we're really trying to help guide education providers in meeting the needs of both current and future learners as well. So rather than being um, reactive to the education market's needs, we're trying to help set them up for success in the future. And what are the goals for yourself and open learning over the next 12 months or so? Um, so being two months in, uh, it's been, it's been quite fun to get across mm-hmm. the, the breadth of the operations. My, my goals and for open learning, particularly in the Australian market, is to continue to work with our existing higher education partners to extend their offering and that's across a range of accredited and non-accredited delivery modes. But then there's also uh, one of our newer brands, which is teach.com.au, which is growing really well and meeting a need in the professional education market for teachers with just-in-time engaging learning content. And then there's also a brand called learn.com.au, which we're in the process of relaunching with a new market opportunity as well. So there's plenty to keep us busy Mm -hmm. and having a lot of fun along the way as well. That's it for this episode of the Glass Ceiling Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, If you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a rating or review wherever you found it on iTunes, Stitcher. We're now also on Spotify. If you have any thoughts or comments, you can shoot us an email at editor at startupdaily.net. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.